Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process, and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor. Hello and welcome to this episode of Finance with Factor. Thank you very much for joining me. For those of you who don't know, coming up next week, we have a very special episode in which we will be sharing some scary stories. And I thought, what better way to dive into scary stories than to preview a little bit with some very thrilling insurance conversations. Um, Title insurance is one of the most asked questions that you get when you start the process. Title insurance is something that on all of our fee sheets, when you get an official loan estimate from a lender, it will say optional, but highly recommended. And then everyone goes, but what does that mean? Why is it optional? And why do I really need it? And for that, I would like to introduce someone who can speak to that with a way better level of expertise than myself. Sarah Catapano Friedman is an attorney with Crowley and Cummings. Um, Crowley and Cummings is a local real estate firm here in Massachusetts for residential real estate in particular is why I tend to go to them a lot. Um, Sarah is a very reliable partner. Uh, she's someone who always picks up my phone call, regularly emails me at ungodly hours of the night um, and vice versa. So we're, we're even. Um, but before we dive into the content, Sarah, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us. And perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to come and join you and talk about this somewhat scary issue of title insurance and what that is about and why you really do need it. Um, So again, I'm Sarah Catapano-Friedman. I'm an attorney at Crowley & Cummings and I uh, do residential real estate in Massachusetts. And um, I uh, have, we have several offices at uh, the South End, Dedham and the Cape rather new improved office in the Cape actually, and also in Westboro. So I'm happy to be here today. Well, thank you for taking the time to join me. I know particularly this time of year gets very busy. Um, So what I thought maybe we could do today is a little bit of a, almost like a role play. Um, As a first time, I'm not, but pretending that I am a first time home buyer, um, I wanna ask some of the questions that I'm sure you get from a majority of your clients about title insurance, what it is, and and why we might need it if you're willing to play along. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not just first-time homebuyers that have questions about title insurance. No, it's not. It's everyone. In fact, the only two, I've had two clients in my entire career that have waived the owner's title. Um, Both of them were experienced homebuyers. I think both of them made a mistake, particularly because one of them, I think, had some issues. So, But before we go that deep into the weeds, Um, perhaps we should pause and explain there are about four different types of insurance like that word insurance when buying a home gets thrown around a lot so you've got your homeowner's insurance your first year homeowner's premium if you have a condo you have your uh, master insurance maybe a condo insurance policy and then you have your your title insurance which is split into owners and lenders 
Right. We are only focusing on lenders and owners title today. So what is title insurance? So, you know, a lot of people get very confused and they get confused about what is title insurance and why are there different title insurance policies for the lender and the owner. So title insurance um, is insurance from a title insurance company. There are companies out there that will insure your title, ensure that you alone are the owner and insure you against liens that could have been against your property prior to your closing or even through your closing. Um, it insures against defects in the chain of title and people go, well, what is the chain of title? Well, when you're buying a home, you've got a title examiner who goes and looks back at all of those documents in the registry, going back, 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 back to see what's going on in terms of liens on the property um, and various rights over the property. So title insurance insures one of your most valuable assets. And to break that down even a little bit more, yeah. I always say title insurance, when you think of it, you know, the chain of title, we're familiar with getting title on our car. We're familiar with, you know, I own this physical object, so it's mine, right? Like I bought this, therefore it's mine. Right. The problem is most people don't buy the house, right? There are other parties involved, whether they're banks or, or home equity lines or private lenders, or there are various people throughout the states, trusts, like there are various people that might've had ownership stake in your particular plot or property over the time. Title is sort of like a phone chain, right? Remember like the old school phone chains from when we were kids? Maybe they don't even have them anymore, but it used to be like a printout and you would, I would call Sarah and then Sarah would call Jenny and Jenny would call so-and-so and we would all know that school was delayed or whatever. I guess, yeah, they exactly. definitely don't do that anymore. But they don't. <laughs> but title is very much I, like that. And as soon as the chain breaks, you don't have ownership. You don't have the rights to sell that home, Correct. Well, exactly. Or you could have the rights, but you're selling it now with a defect, which is an issue for anybody who's buying it. And I can tell you, there is always somebody who has a right over your property other than you, including the tax man, your real estate taxes. Okay. That is something that can always be an issue with title. You don't pay your real estate taxes. They can actually put a, basically a lien into the registry of deeds saying, Hey, we've got an interest now in this house. They can foreclose on you too, which yeah. is something that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> so. It's actually so, it's funny that that's the one thing people, one of the other questions we get, and we won't get into this today, but they talk about like, do I have to ask her out for taxes? And the answer is usually no, you don't have to, but it's in your best interest too, because the bank discounts essentially when you do, because yeah. it eliminates the risk of one of the only people that can supersede a bank's lien. Which is the absolutely, government. absolutely. The government is, it, government always gets their man, right? So they always get their house if you don't pay your taxes. So, so um, what? So that's obviously like we don't pay the taxes, but yeah, I mean, okay, Sarah, that's fine. But when we find that, anyways, when we buy the house, we'll know if the back owner hasn't paid taxes and they'll have to pay that. So why should I have to insure against that? So, you know, I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about something where um, you might have taxes owed on a property and not know about it, okay? Um, the Registry of Deeds, they keep on file all of these documents coming in, tax liens, deeds, mortgages, so people 
theoretically know what's going on with the title. However, the, the registry of deeds is fallible. Okay. No. They yeah, they they index <laughs> things, they make it searchable, you know. So when the title examiner goes and does their search, they're looking um, for various keywords, they're looking up addresses, they're looking up people's names, but upon occasion, the registry of deeds will file some the wrong address or the wrong person's name, which doesn't mean that it's not there. Okay. Or to the wrong plot number. I've seen that too. Or I to, recently yeah. saw one where they had, um, you know, plot one, two, three, four, and someone yeah. had crossed it out and made them like eight, you know, six, 10. Yeah. And then another version where the cross out wasn't there. So all these things get mapped. And you can yep. imagine in a world pre-computers where a lot of this is literally in books and someone has to go do the physical microfiche research, mm -hmm. that stuff can get very convoluted quickly. It can, but it can also get lost. Now we're in the computer world. Sometimes you can look these things up in computers. All the registry of deeds has to do, and I've seen this several times, is put a deed under the wrong property and suddenly, you, that deed no longer appears in your your search, even though it's there, you know, yep. or a mortgage. I've seen this a bunch of times during COVID, actually, where the mortgage is indexed under the wrong property, or perhaps the person's name is misspelled by the registry when they're doing the indexing, so you can't find it. Um, you know, so that means there's a mortgage on the property that a title examiner is never going to find, and it's the current mortgage. It's not some mortgage that has been paid off. <laughs> so so you know. to, to back up even a bit before we kind of go down the path of yeah. the things that we could find and go wrong, what is the difference between lender's title and owner's title? And why is lender's title required and owner's title optional? Yep. Now, let's start with the lender's title insurance. So lender, the lender is always going to protect their interest. You as the buyer, they're never going to give you a loan unless you buy them title insurance. They're protecting their basically investment in your property. And the thing with title insurance is it basically never comes into play for the owner. It never protects the owner. Yeah. When it comes into play for the lender is typically when the lender is foreclosing on the owner and can't foreclose because there's an issue with a um, either a proceeding <laughs> um, person who had an interest, shall we say, but there's an issue with the mortgage is the upshot. Um, or they do foreclose and they have an issue reselling the property because there's an issue with that title. Yep. So that's which could be any number of things. Here. It could be, I mean, obviously if if not that Jason Factor forecloses, but if Jason <laughs> Factor forecloses on Sarah, you know, chances are I'm foreclosing on Sarah because Sarah either hasn't paid some tax bills or hasn't paid, like if you haven't had the money to pay the mortgage, you've probably had some other things go wrong. Absolutely. Um, and so the chances that, and, and so the bank is saying, we don't want to deal with any of that. Let's make sure that's all insured. So just like any insurance policy, a house falls on my car, my car's insured. If I have to foreclose and there's muddy waters over here financially, I'm insured. I can foreclose. I will get my money yeah. as the bank. But that doesn't necessarily protect protects you, the, Sarah. The yeah, homeowner. protects the owner not at all. In fact, the owner is completely not protected by the lender's title insurance policy. And in fact, an owner's title insurance policy really protects the owner for a lot 
for and um, in terms of value because it protects the entire purchase price as opposed to the loan amount. Mm -hmm. And it also protects a lot more in terms of um, what people use it for. You know, it's very common when your prior owner sold you the property, they probably had a mortgage. That mortgage got paid off at closing because that's typically how it do does happen. But the registry of deeds is not supposed to receive what is called a discharge, which is a piece of paper that goes into the registry of deeds to say, yes, that mortgage is paid off. It doesn't receive that until after closing. And you're taking a, and you're taking a chance that that's recorded correctly post-closing. Well, exactly. That's not exactly. caught in your, in your exam of title. Right. Well, I mean, exactly. Well, you're never going to find it when you when you buy it, because, again, mm -hmm. that registry get a discharge after the closing. So they actually have, by law, 45 days, but sometimes they take longer during COVID anyway. Um, and that, that discharge, that piece of paper that says that mortgage is paid off is frequently either misfiled by the registry, never gets to the registry, signed by the wrong person, <laughs> has the wrong mortgage referenced. There's and, so many things that can go wrong there. And so now speaking to um, kind of like as we get into why we need it, right? So that's that's the difference between lenders and owner's title, why we actually yep. need it, right? So um, exactly. particularly nowadays, one of the things that you often run into are things like home equity lines that didn't get discharged. We saw this a lot during the, the 2009 recession. Mm -hmm. when banks were getting bought and sold left and right and bank north turns into fleet turns into bank of america and suddenly yep. you had a bank bank north home equity line that bank of america never bothered to deal with because it was never charged and it was never withdrawn and you know it just got mm -hmm. absorbed and lost somewhere but it never got re-recorded correctly and like you mm -hmm. see this stuff happen all the time where that didn't get discharged that's what the owner's title policy is insuring you or indemnifying you against, correct? That Bank of America well, it, can't come in and say, you can't yes. sell this house because we own part of it. Not that or they would, it, but. I mean, yes. I mean, the upshot is that it protects you for everything through your closing. Now, anything that could have gone wrong that we found by the title examiner, it protects you that for that, for everything through the closing, you know? So, and like you said, people often pay off HELOCs at closing, you know, they are mortgages. <laughs> Some mm -hmm. people don't know home equity lines of credit. They are mortgages. <laughs> they get filed in the registry of deeds as a mortgage um, and they get paid off at closing, but they're really, really, really bad at getting the discharges into the registry of deeds. So when you sell, you're like a week before closing and you're, buyer's title examiner comes back with the title exam and your buyer's closing attorney says, oh, by the way, there's a home equity line of credit from a bank that no longer exists that's still open from the prior owner because they never filed a discharge. Well, I promise you, you're probably not getting that discharge in a week from the bank that no longer exists because even if they've been taken over, it's going to take them to go through their records <laughs> and figure yeah. out what happened to that particular home equity line of credit. So what your owner's title insurance does in most situations is they step in and they say, don't worry, everyone, we're going to take care of it. We'll do it after closing. And in the meantime, we're going to give your buyer's title insurance company what's called an indemnification and undertaking. So everyone can close with this still outstanding. 
And what the buyer's title insurance company goes with is something along the lines of, thank you very much. We will now give a clean title policy to our buyer and yep. we'll cover that. So now everyone can close on time and your buyer doesn't walk because you, the seller, didn't have title insurance and can't fix it in time. Now, when do you buy title insurance? So title insurance is part of your closing costs at closing. In Massachusetts, unlike some states, you, the buyer, you don't really shop title insurance companies. The closing attorney is affiliated with a certain number of title insurance companies. Uh, we are actually affiliated with uh, four title insurance companies at this point in time. And um, the title insurance um, goes through the closing attorney. The amount you pay is typically based on your purchase price when you're there. And for the lender, it's typically a formula, again, based on the loan amount, which is what the lenders yep. get for. So now, it's not a separate fee from your closing costs. Title insurance is, to, to Sarah's point, is very formulaic. It's not like you're getting better pricing from one person versus another, generally speaking. However, you mentioned some firms associated with more than others in mass. I think, I forget how many there are in mass, but Crowley Cummings being associated with four <laughs> of those companies. Yep. Is that something that buyers should, or forgot that I'm playing the buyer. Is that something that I should be asking my attorney options about um, how many companies you're affiliated with? Because it's not to say that I'm going to get a better price, but let's say Cadillac isn't going to insure something that First American might. Well, and you know, this does come up and it's part of the reason why, you know, as an attorney, it's good to work with more than one company is because the underwriters for these title insurance companies that say, yes, we'll give title insurance, their attorneys. And what you can probably surmise about most attorneys is that attorneys agree on anything so, <laughs> i grew up with one i'm very familiar with this <laughs> yes exactly so you know you may have something in the chain of title that one title insurance company goes oh no 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 we don't think that's clean title and then another title insurance company might go oh yes no that's perfectly fine we think that's clean title so you know it's how they're interpreting the law it's their risk is their risk tolerance it's their as risk Exactly. And then their compliance offices, their underwriters, in the same way that different lenders, you know, have different risk tolerances and what they'll insure and what they won't or fund and what they won't. Same thing with any insurance company, right? Like, absolutely. So, so having, it sounds like as a buyer, knowing that my attorney is affiliated with more than one company is, might be something if I'm trying to break a tie between two people, something that helps me. I, I would think so. I mean, I, I uh, just give you a brief story about the yeah. seller I was representing. Um, there was a discharge on file that I thought was fine. They're, they had title insurance, luckily. The seller just had title insurance, and their title insurance company thought this discharge of this mortgage was also fine. We all liked how it was written. But the buyer's, uh, basically the buyer's attorney, I think, only had one company and that one company didn't like that discharge for whatever reason. So guess what? Even though the seller's title insurance company thought it was fine, they stepped in and they said, sure, we will indemnify you. So it is important because you can have conflicting opinions between title insurance companies, which will be, yep. should be enough, you know, to, to help you realize you need title insurance as a, a buyer. Now, as a buyer, is this something that I have to, pay over and over again if I want to refinance in the future? And when am I actually going to ever need it? 
So you're not, basically, you're not going to have to pay over and over again. It is a one-time fee that you pay at closing. It protects you for as long as you own the property. It protects you through closing for that time period, including the discharge of your seller's mortgage, as we discussed. Um, and, you know, it depends on what it is as to when you need it. Let me put it that way. If there's a tax lien that was missed and that you start getting foreclosure notices from the, the town, you're going to need it sooner rather than later. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Or a mortgage. Yes, or a mortgage that was misfiled yep. and therefore could not be found. That's a current mortgage. And as I said, during COVID, I've been seeing those more recently than not. Uh, well, I mean, I not more recently than not. Most are most are surgical, but I've seen quite a few since COVID that were misfiled. The ones, the ones that we're going to see a lot of are the forbearances. So the people that went to forbearance well, and then yep. either it didn't come out of forbearance or wasn't recorded as coming out of forbearance correctly, yes, or if there that. are any back due items as a result of the forbearance or one that we ran into recently, um, which I would not be shocked at all if we start seeing again, are sort of those like, um, again, in 2009, we saw some of those like backloaded harp type loans where mm -hmm. they basically said, okay, Sarah, you owe $30,000 in forbearance. We're just going to tack that on at the end with this extra oh, lien yeah. so that mm -hmm. you can stay current on your mortgage. But then that extra lien sort of gets forgotten somehow because yep, it's not due for like 40 years. Yep. Um, and but, so you're going to start seeing a lot of that stuff in the next five to 10 years that you won't mm -hmm. even recognize as a buyer on your file now, because it's not relevant right now. Right. But in five to 10 years, when you go to sell or 20 years, when you go to sell, it will pop up. Yeah, that, that absolutely will pop up. I've done um, refinances though, where the actual mortgage, you know, from various large companies just doesn't show up i am sure somebody recorded it but you know it's showing and it's showing up on you know the the borrower when you refinance it's showing up on their credit report <laughs> certainly and, so it's active and the but, challenge is like you don't know what the seller's situation is right you don't or you don't know what the previous seller's situation was so right. like a small credit union that doesn't have to report to the credit bureaus or doesn't have to report to all credit bureaus or I ran into one recently where the person bought it. Maybe this is a whole nother stem of our conversation. Um, person bought it from a builder. And the builder at, at the closing table, my understanding is, negotiated a right of first refusal should the family ever sell it. Oh, my. Um, to his family members. Mm -hmm. um, so like randomly recorded that popped up. Um, mm -hmm. And kind of crazy situation that caused a title. Yeah. Yeah, well, rights, rights of first refusal that people give to um, family members or other people can certainly cause title issues to neighbors. Um, and especially if they come in and, you know, <laughs> start complaining after you've sold it. Mm -hmm. um, which, which happens a lot in the condo market yep. in particular, where a deed or association might have a right of first refusal. And if someone claims that they weren't well enough informed or didn't get a, a valid enough opportunity that can become a title claim. Yeah, ho hopefully not. Usually what a um, closing attorney is gonna want is a waiver of a right of first refusal, but there are other ways around it. You know, affidavits from the seller's attorney saying that they informed them and they, you know, didn't actually exercise their right, you know, that in case, you know, you don't get that waiver, but you know, those can be, um, you know, that doesn't prevent somebody from coming forward la later. And as we were just talking about, we were talking about construction, right? 
Um, a lot of people wonder, well, why do I need title insurance on new construction? Because, hey, yeah, it's new. There was never before. a house here. Right. Why? Yeah. The, the couple things. I mean, first of all, the land was there and there still is back title going back hundreds of years on that land. So guess what? You're still responsible for that back title when you buy that piece of that land. So um, but other reasons are, you know, the construction is done by a bunch of subcontractors. Usually they're not it's not done by the seller. The seller's hiring a bunch of people. And in Massachusetts, those people, if they're not paid or if they think they haven't been paid, <laughs> can um file important a clarification there yes I've, I've worked with many <laughs> many many people that think they haven't been paid yes i mean you know your your builder maybe fires a, an electrician or a plumber who doesn't show up often enough and they go well you still owe me money <laughs> perhaps you know um they can put a lien on your property after you buy it um and the Last step in what this lien is, this lien is called a mechanics lien. So the last step in yep. the mechanics lien is they file a, um, a court action. They file a suit in court saying they're owed money and they put a notice of that in the registry of deeds. So I now saw this once. you really can Yeah. I, I saw this yeah. once on someone whose electrician didn't install a $10,000 chandelier correctly. And so oh, the person decided not to pay that electrician. <laughs> yep. um, and the electrician mm -hmm. thought that he should be paid. And, uh -huh. um, you know, there you go. The starting of any good court case, right? And, and so yep, I think absolutely. where you were going is that that's where this lien ends up. And you can imagine if Sarah's trying to sell, that becomes a yep. problem. Yep. And you as, you as the buyer now own this piece of property with a lien on it from this contractor who did work before you owned it. And if, unless you have title insurance, you're not able to refinance or sell this property while this court case is ongoing, unless you wanna pay off the contractor yourself and, and, uh, and, and get rid of the lien that way, <laughs> get yeah. rid of the court case that way. So and it's especially important in new construction. How does or does title protect against things like, um, probate or um, not necessarily probate, but, but um, claims against it from say an estate or a trust. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you're kind of talking about what if this comes out of probate, you're buying it out of an estate, you know, you think you have clean title. And then after you buy, somebody goes to the probate court and says something like, oh, I didn't get appropriate notice, you know, or something like that. Um, and starts litigation about it. Well, you know, certainly your title insurance is going to protect you from somebody else coming and saying, no, I really have an ownership claim. Um, so this is one of the things that you would then call your title insurance up about and just say, hey, you know, as I said, it protects you through your closing, including the fact, you know, that you own this property. <laughs> so which, yep. which if you're buying a place, so if I'm buying a place that is maybe um, grandma's moved out and the kids are selling it for her mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or even bigger red flag. One of the kids is selling it for her. Right. Um, great times to make sure you have owner's title, right? Because yep. all it takes is one sibling to say, Hey, Jason, you didn't earn hundred percent of those proceeds from that sale to tie up my, my title. Correct. Yep. Well, exactly. And also, you know, the other thing is, you know, when they, they're doing it under power of attorney, Right. You know, title insurance companies don't love deeds signed under power of attorney because it's 
it, you know, people forge power of attorneys, <laughs> they do, you know? So yeah, let's say there's a power of attorney. One of the, the um, you know, the grandchildren has a power of attorney to sell it for grandma. They sign the deed under power of attorney um, and, you know, lo and behold, it was forged. <laughs> it's not a real power of attorney. Or, um, you know, some other sibling comes in, you know, and says, yeah, no, that's not a real power of attorney. Now, now we have an issue. Yep. So, or, or mom didn't yeah. have, mom didn't have, I, so this is one, this is a real life story. I'm going to back out of my role playing sure. and, and we okay. can do story time for a minute. Absolutely. Um, this is actually, Absolutely. I will, I will say this is a preview for a story that I'm going to share in next week's episode. Sure. I had one where the sellers, husband and wife, elderly mm-hmm. couple, they were trying to sell. And um, I don't know the full details of all of it, but essentially okay. one of the kids claimed that mom didn't have the mental capacity to sell this home and that dad didn't mm-hmm. have the right to sell the home without mom's authority. So we had to go to court and mm-hmm. and verify that mom was mentally fit enough to sell the home and consent to selling the home and signing the power of attorney and the whole bit. But then yeah. we got halfway through that trial. We had a date, we had the trial, we had the court proceedings and we were going to get a decision and the judge passed away. Oh so goodness. then we're delayed another month and a half trying to get all yeah. of that stuff cleaned up. So again, oh. like, you know, we couldn't close because that was not clean title, right? So now it just goes to show though, really important one for my client, the buyer, to have owner's title insurance because right. God knows there's grounds there eventually that if someone really like clearly there's enough strife to cause the court case in the beginning of the the proceedings you know who knows whether or not someone will accept the decision wholeheartedly after well i mean it's very it's very interesting because you know we talk about people being mentally incompetent and you know some of the things that happen in court when you're mentally incompetent is you get appointed a conservator or a guardian as as we've seen it in uh, recent news yep. <laughs> about certain celebrities, and guess what? You know, you really can't take a deed from that person. You mm-hmm. have to take it from their conservator or their guardian. Um, and Which in so, this case was know, the husband. But yep, and if, yep, but if you don't know, you know that. Let's say you know this the, these court cases. You know, during COVID, a lot of people have uh, had difficulty accessing certain court cases. For example, you know. Yep. Awesome. And, you know, if you don't know, you can't get the documents, you know, or it's not popping up as this person, you know, is under conservatorship and you take a deed from them. Well, now you have an invalid deed, but you have title insurance. And what would be sort of, um, I think you've shared a number of stories, um, so I'm not going to ask for a gratuitous story (laughs) time, but but, um, what would be sort of a takeaway for you when you speak with with people that are on the fence or really questioning or maybe stressed out, right? Like buying home yep. isn't free. And I've had instances where we're down to the wire on, on funds to close. And it's like, eh, here's that optional thing that I could save $2,000 or $1,500 on. And, you know, if yep. it's a difference between buying my house and not buying my house, maybe that's the trigger I pull. Um, I've never recommended that to a client and thankfully I've never had yeah. to, to go to that length of lever um, to get to, to closing. But 
I could see that situation coming up. If you're in that kind of bind and you're really that tight, and this is a conversation that you feel like you need to have, what would be your main takeaway and advice to that client? I mean, first of all, you know, I would never buy a property without title insurance. I personally would not. And I can do title and searches on my own until the cows come home, you know, Um, but that doesn't protect me against things that are misfiled or, you know, every couple of years, the courts come out with a new ruling that changes what we thought was clean title. Um, And sometimes it's retroactive. And if you don't have title insurance, you're up a creek. You know, so, um, you know, I can't guarantee against that. So I, this is the most important and most expensive, usually, investment of people's life. And if you can't buy the title insurance, you know, you wouldn't buy a house without buying regular insurance, lest it burn down. You know, in my experience, you're going to see more title issues than houses burning down. So, (laughs) um, I've seen, I've only seen two in my career clients whose houses burnt down. I see title issues on 90% of the deals that we do. Exactly. So, you know, it's really, you know, it would be um, sort of uh, (laughs) very unwise and a risk I personally would not take, you know, on my most important investment to uh, go ahead and buy it without title insurance. In New Hampshire, I'm allowed to ride a motorcycle without a helmet. I am not one of those people that would cross the border, take my helmet off and keep driving. I feel like it's a good idea to insure my head against motorcycle crash in the same way that, you know, buying a home, having owner's title insurance, it's a one-time expense. You're never paying it again for the life of your ownership of the home, but it is much more expensive to buy insurance when you really need it. It is. I mean, hopefully you never need to use your owner's title insurance, but if you do, it's worth its weight in gold. (laughs) And and that's what I tell people, right? Like it's insurance. I have homeowner's insurance. I have life insurance. I hope to never use either of them. (laughs) Exactly. But they're worth their weight in gold if you have to use them. Um, And, you know, you know, things that can be done to clear title, you may even have to end up bringing a, what is called a quiet title action in land court to resolve a title issue. You know, who yep. owns this, you know, or to get rid of uh, actually where there's a um, old, old mortgage had a discharge. Okay. And um, the discharge wasn't proper. And guess what old mortgage company went, went out of business in 2011. <laughs> and anyone who could have signed on behalf of that company, none of them were actually um still around they all died <laughs> so, yep, can you hear this. me i think i'm breaking up a little <laughs> you did a little bit but, yeah, I've, but they, I've had this yeah. similar situation i had a client once yeah. selling out of a trust um a business an lc that was held in mm-hmm. a trust and um they were selling and one of the people had crossed there were three sellers now again this was not our client this was not no. the person we were buying it from this was the person, the person who bought it from, bought it from. So this is two owners exactly. removed, sold it out of an LLC back in the fifties. Right. So, mm-hmm. but what happened was, and granted again, like this is like out of the fifties or sixties, they just crossed the person off. The two people signed when our title examiner looked at it, they went, but what about Johnny? Where'd he go? Now, thank mm-hmm. goodness the other two people were still alive and were able to verify the fact that that person had passed away prior to and 
Yeah, like we were able to document. I don't know how or why. You but probably we did certificate somewhere. <laughs> we were eventually able to document it well enough to ensure it. Um, but like that, that stuff happens, whether it's an individual yep. or or an institution. Yep. And my my situation was, you know, again, not this current owner, but the prior owner's mortgage that had been a refinance, improperly discharged, and. Um, Honestly, you know, it wasn't that long ago, you know, we're talking like uh, 10 years ago that this company went out. Unfortunately, that owner, you know, would have to bring a quiet title action in court in land court just to get rid of, you know, having improper documentation, basically. <laughs> well, if that wasn't thrilling and terrifying and just, rev you know, if that conversation didn't totally rapture and capture you throughout your car ride or wherever you're listening to this podcast today, then I don't know if insurance talk is ever going to get you. Because <laughs> as far as insurance talk goes, uh, in my opinion, in the world of real estate, uh, the title insurance is really the most commonly used and the most important and the most asked about part of the um, process. It's, it's the one thing that buyers ask about right up front. It's the one thing that your realtor um, probably doesn't have the right answers for generally, um, and they'll usually refer you to your attorney. It's the one that I know as the lender, I get asked about a lot, and I don't always have the right answers to, so I refer you to your attorney. There are states in New England that are title and non-attorney states, such as New Hampshire. Again, speaking with your title company becomes really important. Um, I hope that this was A, useful for whoever's listening and B, um, a good use of your time, Sarah. Thank you for making the time to swing by. Uh, I really appreciate you making the time for, for our conversation. Well, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> it's, my, it's my pleasure as always. And just a quick reminder to anyone who is listening and made it this far next week, we will be hosting a uh, finance with factor sort of hodgepodge. We will be crowdsourcing it. If you have a scary story that you feel comfortable sharing, please even just call me and leave a message and I will record that for you. We'll bring in the funniest, the most entertaining, the, um, the most capturing stories into a crowdsourced episode of Finance with Factor with the goal being uh, a little Halloween fun. So hopefully that will be enjoyable for everyone who's listening. Um, thank you very much for being part of it, Sarah, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance with Factor. Please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS, number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at jasonfactor.com.